<laughs> praise the Lord. People of God, I greeted. I said, praise the Lord. Yeah, we want to thank God so much for a day like this. A day that God would allow me to come back to Dansuman PIWC. I am saying that to come back because I was part of the Dansuman PIWC right from the beginning. Yeah. I was here even on the inauguration. Yeah, the inauguration I was here. Yeah. At that time, at that time, I was, I was a boy of God. <laughs> I was a boy of God walking around here in the Suman area at that time. And we bless God for such grace that God has given us to be, to be here. I want to also acknowledge many of the officers that I am seeing them today, whom I knew those days, Edelfori, my big brother, uh, and a few of the elders that I knew, the area deacon, and yeah, I knew those days, and then we are here today. We want to thank God so much. I also want to mention that I came with my last boy, uh, Otniel. Yeah, so stand up, let's see you, and then, yeah. Okay. We thank God. We want to thank Apostle C. We want to thank Mrs. C. We want to thank the district pastor. We want to thank the presbytery for the warm reception. Mama Philo, God richly bless you all. The presbytery, everybody, God richly bless you for the warm reception. I believe that God has laid a word on my heart to teach. And I want to teach on an aspect of the theme, an aspect of the 2024 theme. And I want to talk to you on the topic, Unleashing the Treasure in the Clay. Unleashing the treasure in the clay. Unleashing the treasure in the clay. May God give us grace and understanding. Unleashing the treasure in the clay. The thematic scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And I pick it from the English Standard Version. But we have... This treasure in this jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now this letter... <clears throat> This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. And in this scripture, there are a number of issues that we need to look at and examine. One is this. What does the Apostle mean when he says jars of clay in this context? Remember that he says that there is this treasure in jars of clay. 
So the question is, when he says jars of clay, what does it mean? What are these treasure in these jars of clay? For what reasons have these tri- um, deposits been made in these jars of clay? And then what do we do with these deposits in this jar of clay? And so, if you want to understand that simple scripture that there are treasure in this jar of clay, if you really want to understand it, then you want to look at all these areas. You want to look at what these jars of clay really are. Then you want to look at these treasures that are in these jars of clay. Then also you want to look at the reasons why these treasures have been deposited in these jars of clay. And then you want to find out what we are supposed to do with these treasures. I am going to, in the next few minutes, try to explain these things. And then at the end of the day, we would appreciate why we should unleash this treasure that is in us. So let me start by talking about the jars of clay. In the ancient days, jars of clay were common in every house. If you went into any house, you'll find out that there were clays there, there were jars of clays there for so many purposes. These jars of clay were inexpensive because it could easily be made out of the clay. And they were not durable as compared to vessels which are made of metal and glass and gold. But in this context, we read that God has deposited some treasure in jars of clay. clay. When the apostle talks about jars of clay, I believe in this context, the apostle is referring to these physical bodies of ours. The physical bodies of ours. So our physical bodies are like jars of clay or earthen vessels as used by some other versions. So some versions will say jars of clay. Some other versions will say earthen vessels. And so when he talks about earthen vessels or he talks about jars of clay, he's referring to these physical bodies of us. And I'm saying this because in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says that the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into the nostrils the bread of life. Man became a living creature. And so when God was done with creation, he took the dust of the ground, clay from the ground, and then he formed man. And the Bible says that man was lying down lifeless. And God breathed into man, and man became a living creature. And so man was made out of the dust of the ground, jars of clay. In Psalm 103, verse 14, the psalmist was referring to God, and he was talking to God, and he was saying that, for he knows, referring to God, he says that, for he knows our frame. 
He remembers that we are dust. We are dust. So people of God, no matter the color and the shape of our bodies, we need to understand that there is a heavenly porter who has designed us. And he did that to suit whatever purpose he desired. We need to understand that no matter the color, the shape, no matter our height, no matter we may be tall, short, fat, big, slim, whatever, we may be white, we may be blacks, no matter the color, no matter the shape, there is a heavenly porter who took time and designed us and created us. There is a heavenly porter who formed us and he formed us to suit the purpose for which he had in his mind. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 8 that by now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. God, you are our father. But who are we? We are just clay. Just clay in the hands of God. And that is why when I see some men and women who are proud, who are proud and who, who make statements like, do you know me? Uh, are, you, are you my co-equal? <laughs> and things like that, I begin to wonder whether they, be, they actually know where they are coming from. But the Bible says that, but now, oh Lord, you are our father, but we are the clay, and you are our porter. We are all the work of your hand. And so God created us. God formed us. God shaped us into who we are. But he used the dust of the ground. We used the clay to create us. So we can therefore deduce from these scriptures that we have referred to that when the Bible mentions jars of clay or when the Bible mentions earthen vessels, it is referring to our physical bodies. Our physical bodies are but just dust of clay. It doesn't matter how beautiful we are and how handsome we have dressed. It doesn't matter the number of hours we spend in the washroom, bathroom, bathing and applying pomade and uh, uh, powder and the other thing. How do you refer it? Pons. And all those things. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we are but dust. And we are but clay. And so, when Paul says that we have these earthen vessels in this jars of clay, Paul is referring to this physical body. But the scriptures further reveal that in this jars of clay, God has put some deposits. God has put some deposits into this jars of clay. And God in his own wisdom decided to put some treasures or deposits in these bodies, in these jars of clay. The jars of clay or the earthen vessels. So, the scripture that we read says that, but we have this treasure in 
jars of clay. People of God, despite the weakness of mortals, despite the weakness of these jars of clay, not only is God happy to use this clay or jars of clay, but he has decided to put this treasure into this jars of clay. I thought I would hear a bigger amen. We are dust. We are clay. But in the wisdom of God, God decided to put some deposit into us. God decided to put some treasure into us. And so, as mortals as we are, with all our weaknesses, with all whatever is surrounded us, God, in his wisdom, has decided to deposit something into us. And so as you sit here, and as I stand here, there are jars, there are treasures, and there are deposits in this jars of clay. Let me look at the word treasure that is used in this scripture. You see, the words used to describe that which God has deposited in us needs to be examined. First of all, the Bible says that there is treasure. There is treasure. Now, when we talk of treasure, we are talking about something that is valuable, a jewel. And so, when God says that he has deposited a treasure in us, there are treasures in this jars of clay, then God is talking about something that is not ordinary, but something that is valuable, something that is unique, that he has deposited in this jars of clay. When you study scriptures very well, you find out that other versions also would say that deposit. Other versions use the word deposit, which also describes again valuable sums of money. And so we can deduce from this that what God has deposited in us is not ordinary, but rather it is something very valuable. There is something valuable that God has decided to deposit in you. Let me say, people of God, that no child of God is empty. Are you in church? You are too decent for my liking. No child of God is empty. Oh yes, there's no child of God who is empty. And this, when I talk about this, I'm not talking about positions, but I'm talking about the child of God. And I'm saying that no child of God is empty. For in the child of God, as something valuable. In the child of God, as something very precious. In fact, when you look at the amplified version of this scripture, the Bible says that, however, we possess this precious treasure. Precious treasure. And so when God formed us, and God created us, he looked into us and deposited something unique into us. And so as you sit down there, 
and I stand here, there is something unique in us. We are not ordinary people of God. We possess something. We possess a treasure. There is deposit in us. There is something unique in us. There is something that is precious. And so the Bible says that however, 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 we possess something. And the Amplified Version of the Bible says that we possess that which is precious. God has deposited into us that which is precious and that which is unique. Can I hear amen, church? Listen carefully. These treasures that God has put into us are meant to last forever. They are meant to last forever. Our bodies are temporary, hosting places for the treasure that God has given us. Our bodies are temporary. It is hosting that treasure. But you see, the treasure that God has deposited in us is meant to last forever. It is not temporal, but it is meant to be forever. I came to encourage each and every one of us that there is something in you. Are you in church? Uh, look at your brother and tell him or her that there is something unique in you. But the question I want to ask is this. What is this treasure that God has deposited in us? We have established the fact that we are not ordinary, even though our bodies are jars of clay, but there is a treasure in us. What is it that God has put in us? There are many that the Lord has deposited in us as his children. But I want to talk about one. That, that God has deposited in us is the power of God. And so, for the child of God, one deposit that God has put in you is his power. And so, every child of God is a carrier of the power of God. Are we together? Every child of God is a carrier of the power of God. You see, the Bible says that when we received the Holy Spirit, we also received his power into our system. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. These are the words of Jesus Christ. That you will receive power. This was when he was about to leave and was talking to the disciples, his apostles, and was telling them that, look, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons that God has set for himself, but you wait, wait in Jerusalem, and that you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I'm happy to announce to you that in Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered in the upper room, suddenly a strong wind came and filled the room in which they were gathered. And there was this fire that was released unto them. And the Bible says that this fire separated and settled on each and every one of them. And the Holy Ghost filled all of them. 
and they began to speak in new tongues, people of God. On that day, the Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost came to live in us. The Holy Ghost came to abide in us, never to go back. And when the Holy Spirit came, he came with that power. And so the Spirit has come. And the Spirit now dwells in you and I. And once the Spirit now dwells in you and I, then let me announce to somebody that you carry that power. This is something that I want each and everyone to understand. That you are not an ordinary brother or sister, but you are a carrier of the power of God. Because the Holy Ghost that is in you is the spirit of power. And once that spirit of power has come to dwell in you and has come to live in you, he lives in you with that power. And so you carry power. And that is why Paul says that there is a treasure in this jar of clay. There is a deposit in this jar of clay. I thank God for the spirit of God. And I thank God that when God released the spirit, the spirit did not come to dwell in the, in the, in, in the atmosphere. But when God released the spirit, the spirit finds his abode in my body, in this jar of clay. And as you sit there, the spirit found his abode in you also. And so you carry the spirit of God. And once you carry the spirit of God, you also carry the power of God. It doesn't matter whether you are an apostle. It doesn't matter whether you are a pastor. It doesn't matter whether you are a deacon or a deaconess or an elder or a brother or a sister. It doesn't matter your age, brother. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you were baptized yesterday or not. I came to tell you, once the Spirit of God is in you, there is a treasure in you. Once the Spirit of God is in you, there is a power in you. Once the Spirit of God is in you, there is something in you. And that which is in you is the power of God. Listen carefully. This power that I'm talking about is the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave. There's power that has come to dwell in us. This treasure that has come to dwell in us is the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave. And if you read the Bible very well, you will realize, people of God, that when Jesus died, the devil did everything possible to prevent Jesus from coming out of the grave. The Bible did everything possible. The Bible says in Mark that there was a large stone that was laid on the tomb of Jesus. Very large stone. And then the Bible says that Pilate sealed the tomb to make sure that even if Jesus got back to life, there was no way he could come out of the tomb. And the Bible says that beyond all this, there were trained military men, military men, professional military men, who were set behind the tomb to guard it. Maybe that even if Jesus attempted to come out, they would push him back. And so the devil designed everything such a way that Jesus will never come back to life. But on that Sunday, I said on that Sunday, I said on that Sunday, the Bible says that one angel, just one angel, one angel appeared 
And the place that they were, the Bible says, began to shake. And the military men, the, the soldier men, they lied on the ground. The Bible says as though they were dead. Just one, just one angel. And then the Bible says that the angel told Mary that why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come back, come, come. Come and see where he laid. Come, come in. Come and see where he laid. When Mary and Co. went into the tomb, Jesus had left already. Now what it tells me that on the third day, the Spirit of God entered into the grave, brought back Jesus alive, took him out of the grave. Before the devil could say, Jack, Jesus was already out there. And that same power, that same power, that power that brought Jesus back to life, it is that power that is in this earth in clay. I have Pentecost. The Spirit has come forever to abide. The Spirit has come forever to abide. I have Pentecost in my soul. The Spirit. this power. In Ephesians chapter 1, 19 to 21. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 to 21. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? So, that power is immeasurable. It is great. I want you to know that which your body carries. I want you to know that which has come to dwell in your body. The Bible says that, and it is an immeasurable great power towards the apostle. Towards the apostle. The immeasurable greatness of his power towards the deacon. But he says that, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe that immeasurable power, that great power resides in those who believe. Ah, this sign shall follow them that believe. This is what Jesus said. That this sign shall follow them that believe. That in my name they will cast out demons. 
In my name, they will lay their hands on the sick and they shall be healed. In my name, they will even take poison and they will not be killed. This sign shall follow them that believe. And the Bible says that this power that we are talking about, the power that has come to abide in us, the power that has come to reside in us, Bible describes it as immeasurable great towards us who believe. And so the church contains an enormous power. I said the church contains an enormous power. So, we as individuals in the church also carry power. We are carriers of power. There is something in us. We are not empty people of God. No child of God is useless. No, no child of God is useless. No child of God has nothing to do in the house of God. Every child of God is useful for there is power in that child of God. And so I want to establish and propose this, that the treasure in us that we are talking about is the power of God. But you see, treasure in this clay, what is the purpose? Why has this power been deposited in us? And I want to believe that there are many reasons why God has deposited these treasures in these jars of clay. But I want to propose one. I believe that one of the reasons why God has deposited this power in us is for the transformation of our societies and our world. The transformation of our societies and our world. In other words, God has deposited this power in us so that through us, the world can be transformed. Listen, the power we carry is never intended to remain in the church auditorium alone. The power that is in us is never intended for this auditorium alone. And we bless God for this beautiful auditorium. We bless God for this beautiful, this beautiful auditorium. We thank God for it. Thank God for the beautiful seats that you are seated on. Thank God for the carpet. Thank God for the instruments. Thank God for the choir. Thank God for everything. But please, the power that God has deposited in us is not meant for the room, the auditorium, this auditorium alone. The power that God has deposited in us is meant to be experienced by the world. It is meant to be encountered by the world. God did not deposit that power into you so that you come into church room and come and sit on these chairs and do nothing. No. But God deposited this power into you so that you will walk out there that the world will encounter that power that God has deposited in you. But unfortunately, this tremendous power has remained in the church building for years. And for so many years, we are seated in this room and we come and enjoy good music. We come and enjoy good instruments. We come and enjoy good sermons. We come and enjoy all kinds of things. But we forget that the power has been given unto us so that the world would experience this power. But I came to tell you that in this year, may you be unleashed into the world. May P-I-W-C-D-A-N-S-U-M-A-N. 
be unleashed into the world so that the world would encounter that, encounter that power, that the world would experience that power that God has blessed this church with. And if you look at scriptures, the Bible says that immediately the Holy Ghost had descended upon them and they had received the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that they began going out and they began letting the world experience that power that they had. And so Peter stood one day and preached and about 3,000 souls were saved. And another time Philip went to Samaria and by the power of the Holy Ghost did some massive work to the extent that even he confronted the sorcerer and people with, with, with all kinds of demons and all kinds of powers began to come to him and he cast them out. Why? Because the power that he had received was not meant to be in only Jerusalem, was not meant to be in only the auditorium, but the power that he had received had to be encountered by the world. May I encourage P.I.W.C. Dansuman, it is time for us to arrive. And if you are seated, I came to tell you that stand onto your feet. And if you are standing onto your feet, I came to tell you that begin to walk. And if you are walking already, I came to tell you that begin to run. And if you were running already, I came to tell you that begin to fly. For you carry a kind of a power, and that power is not meant to be entertained only in this room. But that power is meant for the world. The world must experience that which we have. The world must encounter that which we have. I came to encourage somebody. Be unleashed. May the women ministry arise. May the youth ministry arise. May the children ministry arise. May the men's ministry arise. May the evangelism ministry arise. May we be unleashed into the world. For we possess a kind of power that the whole world must experience. I remember just two people just two people, brothers and sisters, two people could turn the whole world, their world, upside down. Two people, Paul and Silas, when they had received that power, when the power of the Holy Ghost had come into them, they could not stay around. But the Bible says that they went around preaching and teaching and came to Thessalonica. And the Bible says that they were hosted by someone called Jason. And when they could not find Paul and Silas, the town, the citizenry, went and brought Jason before the Sahindrin. And they said that these men, this man, this man have harbored them. These men who have turned their world upside down have come here also. Acts 17 verse 6. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men, referring to Paul and Silas, who have turned their whole world upside down. Only two people have turned their whole world upside down because the two of them were unleashed onto the world and they unleashed the power that is in them into the world, and just the two of them could turn their whole world, two, 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 two people could turn their world upside down. How many are we here? If we are to move out, we can change the world. If we are to move out, we can change our organizations. If we are to unleash the power in us, we can change everywhere that we find ourselves. May God give us grace. 
that we will be unleashed and we will go out there. And so, please, God has strategically placed us where we find ourselves. God has strategically positioned some of us in the, in the banking sector. God has strategically positioned some of us in the medical field. Some have, God has strategically positioned some of us in the media. God has strategically positioned us in the ministries. Everywhere. We are all over. But God is expecting that the power that you carry will be unleashed where you find yourself. That through you, that area can be transformed. That through you, the medical field can be transformed. That through you, that, that, that um, a media can be transformed. God is expecting you to have an impact where you find yourself. People of God, let me quickly say this. What, what is the essence of this power deposited in us if we are unable to step out to transform our world? What is the use of this power? Listen carefully. The Holy Ghost that has been given to us is not only meant for speaking in tongues. I repeat. The Holy Ghost that has been given to us is not only meant for speaking in tongues. Yes, speaking in tongues is good. It is the initial sign that you have received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But I came to tell you that there is much, much, much more that the Holy Ghost can do with us. And if we cannot transform our societies and we cannot translate our religiosity into spirituality, then I came to say that we are disappointing God. And God has positioned you there strategically to transform your world. And so the power is meant to help us to transform the world where we find ourselves. I will use two people, Daniel and Joseph, briefly. I will use them to illustrate this point and then I will end will pray. You see, Daniel was a man in whom the Spirit of God dwelt. So when you read Daniel chapter 5, verse 10 to 12, the queen mother came to tell the king that, look, there's a man here. The Spirit of the Holy God is in him. An excellent spirit is in him. And then Daniel found himself in powers, in, in the corridor of powers. And he unleashed that power that is in him. At the end of the day, Daniel alone was able to stand up against corruption. Corruption in the kingdom. And the Bible says that there was nothing found against him. There was nothing found against him. Why? Because he stood as a man of power. A man in whom the spirit of God dwelt. People of God. If we can stand as men and women of power, we will stand against corruption. We can fight against corruption. Again, if we can stand as men and women of power, we will become solution to every problem. Solution to every problem. The power 
in us, when it is unleashed, we become solution. We become, we give solution to problems. And so you look at Joseph. The Bible says that when there was going to be famine, when there was going to be hunger, around that time, the king told him, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom the spirit of God dwells? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. And so for that matter, you are in charge. And by Joseph alone, through Joseph alone, there was solution to the famine that was to come on the land. For seven good years, there was hunger in the whole world. But on the land of Egypt, there was no hunger. Why? Because somebody decided to unleash that power and became solution. Ghana is in a crossroad. Ghana needs solutions. But I pray, may God use you to become a solution. Where you find yourself. Ghana needs solutions in the area of the media. Ghana needs solutions in the area of the academia. Ghana needs solutions in the area of medicine. Ghana needs solutions in the area of business. But I pray that as we unleash the power that is in us, the treasure that is in us, may God use us to become a solution. Just as Joseph became solution to the problems of his land at the time, I pray that God will use us to become solutions to the problems of the land Ghana, even in our time. There are treasure in this earthen clay, but the purpose of this treasure is for the transformation of the world, to stand up against corruption and to bring solution to wherever we find ourselves. Shall we rise to our feet? Rise to your feet, please. Rise to your feet, please.